0: CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Hello everybody, Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Beat Podcast on this Tuesday afternoon following the first fully padded practice of the 2021 season. Real football, Alex, for the first time all season long this is really it right this is when the competition when the live contact when everything really begins for the patriots and the rest of the nfl so we're going to get into what we saw in the trenches first because we've talked so much about quarterbacks and a lot about receiver play as well we haven't really gotten to sink our teeth into offensive line defensive line edge players things that happen on the line of scrimmage running back talk here in a second as well Andre Stevenson hello on Miles Bryant today we'll, we'll get to that in a second yeah. but let's start with the trenches who was the standout player for you today on day one of pads on either the offensive line or the defensive line
1: yeah I'll, I'll give you two I'll give you Matthew Judon and Christian I'll, I'll let you talk about Judon I'm gonna take Christian Barmore because I thought I, I know you're watching Judon in one-on-ones and yeah I, not to say Barmore was bad in one-on-ones he wasn't but what he did during team drills to me was huge because there were three or four running plays where the hole was there. And then suddenly it wasn't and everybody fell all over each other. And you're looking to see who was the last one up from the bottom of the pile. Who was the one that clogged the hole that, that clogged everything up that made the play. And it was Christian Barmore. That's exciting for two reasons. One, he's out there just winning. He's out there playing well, dominating on the line of scrimmage. That's what you draft the guy for. But, in specifically in Barmore's case he's a guy that many presume will start off as a pass rusher and those early right. down snaps will come along a little later on here he is blowing up the run on the first day of padded practices if he can do that and then he can get after the quarterback the way we saw at Alabama he's going to be a three down player right away for the patriots they absolutely nailed that pick if he can be the kind of run stopper he was today and get after the quarterback like he did in college so I loved what I saw from him. Unfortunately, he got hurt at the end of practice. Yeah. He didn't leave the field early, but the trainer was looking at his foot or his ankle. So we'll see what happens there. There hasn't been an update on his status, but you, I mean, you hate to see any injury, but for him, I mean, for a guy who got off to such a hot start and just had a great day, uh, shame to see it end that way, but he was awesome today until he got hurt.
0: Yeah, he was very good. He was four for five in one-on-ones, really in particular, just his explosiveness and his short area quickness stands out above the rest of the defensive linemen because you look at that defensive line group, outside of Dietrich-wise, Lawrence Guy, Devon Godshaw, Henry Anderson wasn't out there at practice today, but when he's normally out there, throw him in this mix too. Those guys are sturdy block eaters, gap pluggers. You know, they're not – fire off the football and get into the backfield type of players, right? That's just not really their games. That's not to say that they're not good. They're just not the way that they play. Christian Barmore, I think, has the best upside in terms of raw, just physical tools in that defensive line group. And you get into that and you start to think, it's going to be very difficult to keep him off the field as a rookie because he's already one of their best playmakers on the defensive line in a group that last year just sorely lacked playmakers. And I think that was the one thing that really stood out was – It was exciting to see after last year, they struggled so much on the defensive line and blockers really got up to the second level. They were able to get double teamed easily and get those line, those linemen climbing up to the second level of the defense to get up on those linebackers and push those guys down the field. And this entire run defense with Christian Barmore hopefully developing into that type of player too, is predicated on those three defensive linemen that start every single game, that play against the run predominantly, being able to hold up blockers and eat gaps and close down holes and do things on the line of scrimmage without really penetrating. It's more of a push-and-reset-the-line-of-scrimmage li- type of defensive system That is where the Patriots need to be able to be stout and be able to be firm is in that middle of that defense. The rest of it, the edge players, the off-ball linebackers, Hightower, Bentley, you mentioned him, uh, Judon, Van Noy, Uche, even Kyle Duggar or Adrian Phillips when they play in the box, they'll be able to eat if those three defensive linemen are doing their jobs. And it's not always the sexiest thing in New England. They're not always racking up TFLs or sacks as as defensive linemen in this system, but their job is so important. And I thought out there today, Lawrence Guy, Devon Godshaw, and Christian Barmore were very, very stout in the middle of that defensive line. And the rest of those pieces will fit together if that's the, the type of play the Patriots
1: get. And Godshaw is an interesting one. You mentioned him because he had all those pass breakups early on in camp. And he himself said that it's hard for those guys to kind of come out and make the impact they want to make without pads on just the nature of the position. And he was still managing to do it. So, you know, building momentum now, he puts the pads on, he continues to play well. He's a guy, as they try to turn around that, at least by Bill Belichick standards, historically poor run defense from last year. He's going to be a big part of that. Now he's got Christian Barmore breathing down his neck with how he played today. So he's a guy I think that needs to needed to have a good day today and certainly did live up to that.
0: Right. I also thought Matt Judon had a very good day out there today. He was very good in one-on-ones. He beat Trent Brown clean in one-on-ones. It was a really impressive rep to kind of go off the outside shoulder, two hard steps outside, bring it back inside on the inside counter and beat Trent Brown clean inside. That was a really impressive rep. He would have had a sack in 11-on-11s. He had two run stuffs in 11-on-11s. So as advertised from Matt Judon, who started out a little bit slow maybe because he's more of that physical player that comes out once we get into these padded sessions. Now you start to see what he can bring to the table as a strong side edge setter. He's going to be physical against the run. He's going to be in the right spots. He's going to be able to take on blockers and hold up at the line of screen image and then I I think he brings a little bit of juice in the pass rush too. So I was really excited about what we saw from Matt Judon out there as well. Judon and Barmore to me were the two guys that really took that next step once the pads gone went on today.
1: Yeah, I I'd agree with that and again it's just one day and unfortunately Barmore got hurt because the exciting thing would be if he does this 2 3 days in a row then you start talking about oh, they really have something here. So uh, we'll see if he's back out there tomorrow another guy too and they're kind of getting bit with the injuries now up front because Henry right. Anderson was a guy yeah. I was looking forward to watching. He got hurt yesterday. Didn't practice today, but I was looking forward to seeing him with, with pads on. And then Raquan McMillan got hurt early on today in practice too. And he actually left, he went to the locker room. He didn't stay on the field. Like Christian Barmore did. So is some of those guys are looking for up front, maybe aren't there. And, and that might be something to start keeping an eye on. But, uh, yeah. Overall, I th- I think that it w- it was Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore seized the day defensively. And then, I mean, d- do you want to go to the offensive side yeah. now? Or- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Offensive
0: line. First of all, this starting offensive line group. I-, I mentioned this a couple of times in my notebook and and other places. The very first snap of the of the practice. When right off the ball and the left side, Isaiah Wynn and Michael Odwenu who just caved in the Patriots defense and Damian Harris just went off to the races. Right. For a, a long run. You see the power. You see how big these five guys are. Trent Brown is bigger than everybody, right? And Mike Conwen, who's 340 pounds, and Trent Brown looks like a behemoth standing next to him. And you just see how powerful this line is going to be. They're going to be able to block everybody. It's really a a good group, and you kind of saw that come together. I I have some concerns about the depth on this. off, And we didn't – Ted Karras isn't out there. I think he's a really important piece to that depth. But the starting O-line looked – as advertised already on day one in terms of what they can bring in the run game. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And we'll we'll get into the backs in a second. I know you want to get into the backs and they were a big part of it, but uh, it last year, it's weird because they had a really good offensive line last year, but they could just never get that unit healthy. They had guys playing out of position a lot. So it maybe felt like a down year for the offensive line, but, it's pretty much all the same guys that are back. You know, you add Trent Brown into the picture, but it's pretty much all the same guys who are back. And now you get to kind of put guys back in position, namely Michael and Wenu, who's back at guard. So, right. The, like, I sometimes I feel weird getting excited about it because it's like, well, it's the same group as last year. But it just it feels different than last year did in a good way.
0: Yeah. And it, you know, Joe Tooney was such a big part of that line last year, but moving on when you back inside to his natural position really helps obviously getting Trent Brown really helps. And, Michael Owyen, who was a second-year player and he's still young in age, but he played so much as a rookie. So you really got five guys from left to right on that starting unit that have played a lot of football, right, and understand what they're supposed to be doing out there and played a lot of football in this Patriot system because Trent Brown's the new guy, right? But he's not really a new guy. So you have right. five guys that have experience in the system, experience in the league. I think that's going to be a really tough unit now. The depth there, I think, is a little bit of a concern. Both backup tackles are all three backup tackles, I guess, so you want to throw Will Sherman in there as a tackle. But Corey Cunningham and Yanni Kajus, Justin Haran was
1: decent, and maybe he's kind of the saving grace, right, of the depth there. But I mean, I would call him, he's, he's the third tackle on this team. I don't know yeah. about any of those other guys you mentioned. No. Or, yeah. Yeah. I like, got, got absolutely smoked by Josh Uche in a one-on-one rep.
0: Like didn't, I don't even think Kajus got his hand on Josh Uche when he was coming around the corner and Corey Cunningham got beat like a drum by Josh Uche a couple of
1: times also. So and those, no, no, no. Yeah, Judon too. Judon put him on skates at one Yeah,
0: time. so those two guys have really, really been difficult to, to watch at times. Now, a, a guy like Kajus hasn't played football in how long? You know, a couple of years. And this was his right. first real contact in, in, I think, two or three years maybe. So I, I get that that's going to take some time. But when you don't have Ted Karras... Out there in the, as an interior backup and he'll be back. It's a minor injury, so he's going to be in the mix, but the tackle depth. I, I do think is a little bit of a concern unless you b- believe a lot in Justin Haran, which I know you do, Alex, and you, you kick Michael yeah. on when you back inside. That's one op or outside, excuse me. That's one option, right? Hey, you also have Justin Haran there as another option. So I guess those two guys are kind of your third and your fourth tackle. And I, I don't know if a guy like Corey Cuttingham or y- 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 Yanni could just make this team. Maybe they stick around on the practice squad as some emergency players.
1: Yeah, there, there's going to be one tackle, I think, on the practice squad. That's the you know emergency elevation guy, and we right. know they like Cunningham. They've kept him around. I I'm big on Sherman, like like uh, or you said I'm Haran. I like Sherman too. I think they may have found something there. So he's probably a year away, and he he might be more of a guard than a tackle, but just that positional versatility is a guy that makes him a guy. I think they'd like to keep around, but I'm I'm okay with the tackle depth as long as they have Justin Haran I'm okay in, again, the versatility where you have Karis who can play center guard. You have Owen Wendell who can play guard or tackle. You potentially have William Sherman who can play guard in both tackle spots, which is pretty rare. People don't realize how rare that is. They'll yeah. be able to puzzle piece it together, and they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, I I think I agree. Look, I I just think that if you want to look at maybe not this year, I I think next year and beyond, that becomes a bigger question mark. And this is this team is filled with positions like that. Honestly, cornerback is kind of like that, too, right? Where this year they got Gilmore, they got Jackson, they got Jonathan Jones, like they're probably going to be fine. Right. But right. next year, if Gilmore's not here, or Jackson's on here, or both of those guys aren't here, then what? And I think it's the same sort of thing with tackle, right? Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn, Wynn's fifth year option did get picked up. So he'll be on the team next year. Trent Brown's a free agent. So at what point do you move on to the next guy, right? It's, it's probably right. not going to be on Wenu. He's probably going to stay inside. So looking at it from a sort of bird's eye view and beyond this season, Justin Heron, I think, could maybe develop into one of the starting tackles for them down the road. But other than that, I, it's not going to be Corey Cunningham. We know that. It, right. I, it's probably not going to be Yadnika Juice. That seems like nope. a pretty big long shot. So that's really where I think it becomes more of a conversation. And this time next year, I guess, before this time, you know, when we get into draft stuff again, Alex, next off season, tackles, gonna tackle is we're going to be tackle and corner. That's having be the it. table yeah. for tackles in the first round, right? You got your quarterback this year. Go out and get a left tackle that can protect Mac Jones in the long term. That that's going to be a big one.
1: I mean, do you want to do a mock draft right now? We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's yes. the Penny Stiewel, Right? Yeah. You know, who's the Who's the top guy? Uh, tackle next year? I don't know. I can give you corner. So I, I think wide Bama, I
0: think Bama actually has a tackle. They must. Yeah. I think he no, might pull it right up here. Tackle. Whatever. All right, you can pull it up, and we'll keep talking about the the team this
1: year, and not the draft yet. Alex and I love the draft, so we we get into the draft. Yeah, Evan Neal, Evan. It's another Evan. Evan Neal, and then Zion Nelson at Miami. Okay, top ten tackles right now. All right. Obviously, that can change. So, all right. Let's talk. All excited about Evan next year. That will be weird. And let's let camp. Let's do camp. (laughs)
0: Let's talk about running backs. We haven't also really had a bunch of really a lot of conversation about running backs as pure runners. We've talked about them coming out of the backfield a little bit and catching passes, but I wanted to start with look, Damien Harris looks like Damien Harris, right? I, I think Damien Harris has sort of solidified himself as uh, we got into the RB1 discussion a little bit. He, he's going to be on the team. He's going to get a ton of carries. I, I don't think we need to worry a ton about Damien Harris or talk about him a ton because he is who he is, and he, that's a good right. football player. One, one quick thing on
1: Damien Harris, actually, yeah. is very interesting. Cause there's no, there's really no tackling in these drills. You just kind of, somebody gets in front of you. You're like, oh yeah, I'd be down. And they all go back to the huddle. Damian Harris, wherever they are on the field, sprints to the end zone on every running play. Like even after the play is over, like quote over, he still sprints to the end zone, then runs back. So that's. It feels very Alabama, very Patriots, but just a little observation. He's a, he's a
0: smooth criminal out there. You see him kind of glide up to 60 miles an hour. You know, he goes zero to 60 really smoothly and and he gets out there and he's got, he's got a lot longer strides, I would say, than a guy like Sony or uh, Ramondre Stevenson. When you watch those guys run, Damian Harris, he, he just sort of glides down the field, right? It's, it's a very gradual, but like, noticeable burst and I I love that about his running style Sony Michelle I- I think that when you watch Sony, you do see a little bit more burst out there in his game. He looks a little bit lighter. He looks healthy, which is something that we've talked about that this is the first time in a while that he's been healthy in a training camp. I think maybe ever, right? He's always sort of had injuries in the off season, off season surgeries, stuff like that. So Sony's healthy. He looks like he's got a pretty good burst about him. He looks pretty good out there so far. What are your impressions of Sony, Michelle?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, he's, relatively right there with Damian Harris. I think Harris is ahead of him as expected, but I don't know how much more you could expect from Sony Michelle. I think he's kind of been the guy you need him to be. He's had good bursts. He seems to be seeing things well. So I think he's off to a good start. And we've talked about that potential battle between him and Damian Harris, maybe not for reps, but for the quality of reps, right? Who's the guy, right? Three point game, two minutes to go. You're up first and 10. Like, who are you giving the ball to kill the clock? he's kind of fighting for that role with Harris and he's right there it's probably been Harris by a little bit so far but i think sony's been right there there hasn't been any negatives i don't know that there's been a moment where i was like oh sony that was like that sucked what are you doing like he's been he's been good
0: it does feel like sony looks as healthy as i've ever seen him yeah, so that, that that's a really good sign i don't know if he necessarily look at this stage of Sonny Michelle's career, like all players, his his top gear is sort of his top gear, right? Like you could add a little bit to it. Obviously, everybody gets a little bit better and a little bit better sometimes. But for the most part, you're not going to go all of a sudden from the player that Sonny Michelle is to like Chris Johnson speed, right? Like you're, you right. are where you are in, in in general. But he looks very healthy, and I think that has added a little bit of burst to his game. And maybe what we're comparing it to is when he hasn't been as close to 100%, you know, training camp coming in, he's rehabbing an injury, he's picking it back up, he hasn't had the whole off-season to sort of work on his body and work in the weight room and work on his explosiveness in the, you know, kind of on the field and stuff like that, so I think being healthy really does help him out a lot, because we talk about being healthy in a lot of different ways, but the most important thing, especially this time of year, about not having an off-season surgery or not having an injury to rehab from last year is being able to work out during the off-season, right? Being able to do the field work and being able to get into the into the gym, into the weight room, and add to your body and make your body better. And I think that we've definitely seen that from Michelle. Uh Today, Ramondre Stevenson had maybe the highlight of the day other than the Aguilar catch, which we'll stop there. in a second. But he absolutely truck-sticked, ran and over, poor Miles Bryant. I, I, I don't even know that it's
1: over. It it, it was more through than over. Miles it, Bryant it, it has really a family, was.
0: Ramondre Stevenson, so please be nicer to him next time. Like, like,
1: let's just be clear here. Jeez. Miles Bryant is a 5'8", corner safety.
0: He's got, he's Ramondre, he's, all the field he's got 48 the pounds on Miles Bryant. I oh, wait, it. Out. say that again? He's got 48 pounds on Miles yeah. Bryant.
1: Miles Bryant is not here to make that play nobody is yeah. holding that play against Miles <laughs> no. Bryant, but oh what a truck oh, yeah. stick.
0: i mean it was the pop was like you could hear it like you it would it yeah you it, that that noise just like rang throughout the entire uh you know training camp fields right i mean you could hear the right. pop of the pads. And that was the moment I think, look, all the offensive defensive line stuff is obviously awesome, but that was the moment to me where it was kind of like pads are on, right? Like we're not, we're not playing touch football anymore. It's live contact. Other than that great truck stick, that, that Madden truck stick, what was, what have you seen from Ramondo Stevenson? Not just today, but all six days, because I, I think, or I think he's only been out there for four or five. Four, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's on, yeah. Since he's been off, uh, NFI right. and he's been out at practice, what have you seen from him? Cause we haven't discussed him a whole lot.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I really liked what I've seen. And going back a couple of days, he's been involved in the passing game and that's yeah. going to be his key to playing time. Like we just talked about Damian Harris, Sony Michelle. Those guys are at the top of the depth chart. Those are the early down backs. Pending injury, I I don't think those snaps are going anywhere. I think it's going to be those two guys the majority of the time. Stevenson does have that rookie label, and we know how tough it is for Patriots rookie running backs to get on the field. But if he's going to contribute in the passing game, I don't know that, you know, James White's going to be the top guy, but they're going to spell him. So who's getting, you know, Rex Burkett's 26% of the snaps that he had last year. And I don't know that J.J. Taylor's had a great camp. I think Brandon Bold. too. Right. I think Brandon Bolden has. I'm actually very high on what Brandon Bolden's done, but Stevenson is right there with Bolden. And Bolden has that veteran edge, and that's the difference right now. But, you know, running the ball, that truck, that was awesome. That's all great. I've been more in – I think we know Stevenson can do that. He's six foot, 250 pounds. He's going to be a bowling ball. The intrigue when they picked him was there's some playability in the passing game too, both as a blocker and as a pass catcher, and he's shown that. He has shown early on that th- that skill set is transferring to the NFL level. And if he can do that, then, then now we're talking. Now we're really right. talking because he is a true three-down running back in that sense. And it's been a while since the Patriots had a true potential top-of-the-depth chart three-down running back. Rex Burkhead was a three-down back, but he's not a guy you could play more than 30 35% of the snaps during a game for a number of reasons. Right. Um, You know, you probably have to go back to, and this name will trigger some Patriots fans, but he was actually a decent player. Steven Ridley is kind of what I see. Stevenson's bigger, but Ridley was kind of, he could bounce back and forth between the early down roll and the pass catching roll. He could do a bit of both. He's a guy I look at if Stevenson turns into him, and he was a thousand yard rusher, I think, once. I think he was,
0: if he wasn't, I think he was really, really, no, no, he definitely had a 1,000 yards. His second year in the league, I think he had 1,000. He did, he had 1,200 yards. He had 1,200
1: yards his second year. Um, Right. If Stevenson can be that guy in the fourth round, they got a great back. So that's kind of where I'm looking at Stevenson right now. It's very early. He's not there yet. But what he's doing in the passing game really interests me because it tells you that, they can go a number of different ways with his development.
0: So early on, I, what I have seen from him is I think very similar to what I have seen from rookie running backs throughout my four years on the beat, right? With Sony Michelle in 2018, for example, uh, you see some indecisiveness through the hole sometimes with these guys, right? Where they're still trying to get their reads down and still trying to understand where their gaps are going to be to run through on the offensive line. And it's not, full pedal to the metal just yet right there's some indecisiveness there so until uh, I would say I want to give it maybe a couple more weeks maybe see a a preseason game first of Ramondre Stevenson but right now because I think the indecisiveness will figure itself out like he'll figure out where he's supposed to go and, and where to point himself and stuff like that and that's not the problem but he doesn't seem to have more than one speed Right. And I I would like to see if maybe as he becomes more decisive through the whole, if that second level burst kind of comes. But right now I do kind of see somebody that's sort of a one track speed, which doesn't necessarily make him bad or anything like that. And you mentioned Ridley. And I think what's interesting about the Ridley comparison is that Ridley was a big time slasher, kind of like Sony in in a lot of ways, right? Where he, his big runs were like 10, 15 yards at a time, right? He wasn't a a home run hitter. And I think maybe you might see the same thing with Stevenson throughout his career is that he's, when he has a big run, it's eight yards, it's 12 yards, it's 13 yards, and it's just going to be sort of, that sort of way of, of running the football instead of really getting a true uh, back that can get in there and break one off for 40, 50 yards. I, I think the back that's going to do that in this team is Damien Harris, right? Not necessarily yeah. a guy like Ramondre Stevenson. I do want to talk uh, – you mentioned Brandon Bolden. In the he's been Burkhead great there. he's been fantastic he really, has. he really has especially catching the football out of the backfield he's such a versatile player when he plays like this right you can he can catch the football he can run it a little bit he can play in the kicking game you mentioned that Burkhead role and I it kind of Burkhead played a lot on special teams too when he was here right and you kind of think that Brandon Bolden might just sort of step into that in the early going at least because the guy that I was we were all sort of hoping was gonna take that next step was JJ Taylor. And so far I haven't necessarily seen that in camp from JJ Taylor yet. He's also really, really struggled Taylor with punt returns, uh, and kickoff returns, but mainly punt returns, fielding punts. He's muffed a bunch of them. Uh so I don't know. I I think that It's early J.J. Taylor. Definitely think this line favors him a lot because they're so big up front that he can, at his size, really hide behind blockers and stuff like that and be able to wiggle out some yards that way. But I hope that we're going to see J.J. Taylor turn it around a little bit because he's been awfully
1: quiet. Yeah, and it's, you know, you'd like to have seen him capitalize before the pads came on. Because yeah, the size, right? And now you're going to have, you know, a guy like Stevenson has that advantage, being a bigger back. The thing with J.J. Taylor was the pass blocking. That's what it was going to come yeah. down to for him, because he's been okay catching the ball. I know that he's popped. He hasn't been bad catching the ball. He's just sort of been there. But if yeah. he wants to play on third downs, he needs to be able to pass block, because if you can only put him out there as a receiver, that's a tell. If he's never going to stay in to block, you just know, all right, we'll rush six, and they're only blocking five, and we can get to the quarterback. So, I didn't see a ton of him blocking today. I, I don't think they had him in that situation too much. If you saw it, maybe maybe you saw more than me. I mean, feel free to correct me here, but I, I've gotta see that before I can, you know, comfortably say, yeah, Taylor's in the running for that Rex Burkhead role. Because that's what Burkhead, Burkhead was a great blocker. People don't talk about that. The guy could block, Danny Woodhead could block, Shane Vereen could block. That's a huge part of the role. And it's gonna be tough for Taylor at five seven. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. If he can't block. It's hard to pencil him into that spot, at least you know, with a heavy amount of snaps.
0: Yeah, you know who's actually looked pretty good in blitz pickup is Sony. He, he's actually yeah, had, a, he had a, one really he,
1: nice one today. Yeah, he's me.
0: had a few decent ones. Uh, so yeah, I I think that J.J. Taylor is a player that uh Ivan Fears talked about maybe being more of like a game day player than a practice player. Uh, he talked about that early on and maybe it might even have been OTAs or mini camp or something where he said that they're really looking forward to seeing J.J. Taylor on it on during a game in the preseason because they feel like that's really where he can be somebody that shines and maybe not so much as a flashy practice player so hopefully those uh, reps and, the, and those moments are coming for J.J. Taylor it's been a little bit quiet Um want to talk about some wide receivers and uh, cornerbacks with one-on-ones and stuff like yep. that a lot of questions in in the chat and I I also want to mention before we start this, we are going to talk about the quarterbacks. We're at the end. We've just talked so much about quarterbacks that we wanted yes. to focus on some of the uh, the big boys and, and the running backs a little bit here early on in the show. Um getting to the wide receivers though. I think one of the biggest questions that you have when you put the pads on for wide receivers is who is still going to be able to separate, right? Once you get the physical coverage, uh, once you get a little bit more contact, who's still going to be able to run? Who's still going to be able to separate? Nelson Aguilar today, I thought, passed that test with flying colors. We can also talk a little bit about Nikhil Harry, but Nelson Aguilar had the catch of the day on the deep crosser from Cam Newton early on in practice. That was sort of the highlight of the offensive day, and he also absolutely dusted Juwan Williams in a one-on-one on a, on a blaze out, you know, you fake the in cut, you blaze out on the, on the out cut. He looked really, really good in pads as well as he did in the first five days in non padded practices. So Agalor's speed is legit, whether there's pads on or there's not pads on.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I brought that question up yesterday. I don't remember if it was on this show or on my show on 98.5. But I brought that up. That is he a guy who's going to be able to win once the physicality gets ratcheted up. And he did. I think everybody passed that test. Jacoby had a really nice catch today where he, uh, and there's a video. This one I actually got on video. It's very rare we get these on video. Yeah. I mean, you can only shoot about half an hour, but it's on my Twitter where he, you know, he's battling with Jalen Mills and he gets the separation, maybe a little push, a little, but there were refs there and there were no, there was no flag. But right. he just gets a separation at the last second, goes up and, and grabs a ball on the sideline. Uh, I, I thought he had a nice catch. I thought Christian Wilkerson got himself open a few times, caught the final touchdown of practice from Cam Newton. So I don't know that there's a, uh, I, I hate that I always pick on Maurice Harris, but I don't know that they're at least early, you know, at least from today. Right. I don't know that there's been a Maurice Harris so far this year.
0: Yeah, Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne's ability to just get open within twenty yards of line of scrimmage, right? The the short throws and the intermediate throws, both those guys are fantastic at that. Uh, Bourne, excuse me, he went three for three in one on ones against J.C. Jackson today. Now in do anything over the top, but all of it was underneath or at the intermediate level, but he was able to get open at the top of the route and then finish through contact. Cause you know, JC Jackson's
1: going to be all over you when right. you go into one-on-one with him. And, and you know I was able to finish it. Not everybody needs to win over the top. Right. Like They're not going to be, this isn't the, the Kansas City chiefs. This isn't, you know, the, the Graham Harrell, uh, Michael Crabtree, Texas tech red Raiders in whatever year that was, they're going to win underneath. That's how they're going to move the ball. There's nothing wrong with him winning on the inside. It means that what he needs to do, he can play to his strengths, and he's going to be able to win that way. That has been – well, I, like the reason I'm kind of fired up about this is I've seen people say, yeah, they added all these weapons, but are they going to be able to pick up chunk plays? Right. Do they need to? The the whole reason – Oh,
0: I think they're going to be able to keep up chunk plays though. Like I, I think, first of all, we didn't really get to see it much today out of johnny smith but i think he's going to be an explosive weapon for them okay. once you get into catch and run opportunities but nelson Aguilar has been extremely impressive extremely impressive yes, he has, he has. He, and i think he's the type of guy today was the the deep bomb from cam was the perfect example right It was a play action pass it was dig post a pretty t- typical route combination against single high safety right because the patriots defense I, they're not game planning in these practices but let, let's just play like they are for a second right and you have a run game. With a huge offensive line, with Cam Newton at quarterback, with Damian Harris in the, in the backfield or Sony Michelle, and you're gonna wanna put an extra guy in the box, right? And teams did this right. all last year, and the Patriots couldn't make them pay through the air. Well today, Nelson Aguilar made them pay for putting the extra guy in the box. Kyle Duggar was the only safety deep. He ran across her a deep post on Kyle Duggar, crossed his face, ran right by him, got behind the defense and came through him deep and hit the, hit the touchdown and you look at these plays and you say that's the most explosive the Patriots offense has looked since what maybe maybe 2018 but probably 2017 right well, like like
1: one week in 2018 where they had Josh Gordon Antonio right. Brown right yeah. like that's yeah. they're not yeah. quite that but it's the most since then yes
0: yeah in terms of actual explosive big play 40 50 yard touchdowns over the top that's probably the most explosive they've looked i would say in, since 2018, 2017, when they had Brandon Cooks, like somewhere in that range. Right. And Aguilar is a true deep threat, and he's somebody that's going to be able to stretch the field. So I think the big plays are going to be there with Aguilar. I think Johnny Smith is going to be able to catch and run with it and create big plays as well. Hopefully you get a few big runs in there too. I, I think this offense is starting to come together. The other – we haven't t- touched on Kill Harry directly. So he went three for three in one-on-ones. He caught three contested balls. One of them was uh, on Jonathan Jones' really nice back shoulder adjustment to go and make the catch kind of outside his frame. It wasn't a high point. It was more like a down here kind of catch, really nice catch along the sideline. What do you make of this? all all this with Nikhil Harry? Because I think it's super confusing, right? He comes in on a trade request, right? He requests a trade publicly through his agent. Then he comes in here and he says he is fine with being a Patriot. Bill Belichick said they had a conversation about the trade request. It kind of seems like, at least for now, it's kind of been put to the side a little bit. Maybe he's playing pretty well. I mean, there are some days where he's not as good as others, certainly. But he today in one-on-ones, you saw the 6'3 body and skill set right come out. And he was able to go above the rim or outside his frame, box out some guys, win with body positioning down the field it's a very peculiar situation because he still technically has a trade request on the table, but he's playing pretty decently and he kind of brings something to the table that these other guys don't, right? They really only have one contested catch wide receiver. They have the two tight ends, but in the wide receiver room, he's it if they want to have some
1: size. It's just, you know, to me, what else does he bring? Because, okay, he's your red zone threat wide receiver on a team with two very good tight ends. He's not – he doesn't – if they use him how they've used him in the past. And every year I say maybe it'll change and they'll use him the right way and they don't. So I'm just going to assume that that's going to continue. He doesn't do much in between the 20s. He doesn't really play special teams.
0: I I just want to mention one thing really quickly about between the 20s. I know none of us care as much as they do, but they really do care about run blocking. and, And that's something that he does do well. So, but so,
1: but here's the thing. I, I think Jacoby Meyer's a great run blocker. I think Kendrick Bourne's a great run blocker. I don't think he's yeah. their only wide receiver who's a great run blocker.
0: Yeah. I, no, I don't think he's the only wide receiver that's a great run blocker, but I think he is probably the most physical run blocker that they have. And he's definitely the biggest out of that group. Right. So that definitely helps him in terms of the run game. But you're right. He doesn't bring anything else to the table as a receiver besides contested catches. Right. But in this offense, he can be just that, right? Because he doesn't need to be a speed guy. He doesn't need to necessarily be everything for this offense, right? I, 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 I've, I sort of feel like he can do a little bit of everything. And, and that I, I, I mean, excuse me, just the one thing that he's good at, right? right? He can't, he can't do a little bit of everything. Right. That's the thing. That's the right. guys they want. I misspoke. He can do the one thing that he's good at because everybody else that's here now can do everything else, right?
1: So- Right. And that's all well and good. But since when do the Patriots like, like not specialization, I guess specialization, like look at this roster. Is there really room when you look at the talent they have, are you going to keep a fourth wide receiver who can do one thing and keep in mind your fifth wide receiver may not be a wide receiver. Gunner's been okay, but I you know, if somebody goes down, I don't know. Are you super comfortable with Gunner playing a significant amount of snaps? Versus Christian Wilkerson, who has been excellent on special teams. And by the way, he had a pop on his, on his own run blocking today. He's not a small guy either. He's not as big as Nikhil, but he's not a small guy. And he didn't seem to shy away in run blocking. He's going to play special teams in coverage. Isaiah Zuber is going to return kicks. Those guys add elements as wide receivers as well. You talk about something they don't have. Nelson Aguilar is fast. I don't know that they have a wide receiver as quick who has the change of pace quickness that Isaiah Zuber does. So I think what you just said about Nikhil in theory applies to Isaiah Zuber, but he can also return kicks. So I just look at where Nikhil is right now. And yes, I think having that jump ball receiver, that bigger receiver certainly would be a nice addition on the roster. But when you look at the other positions, would you, is that more valuable than keeping a second pass catching and running back in addition to James white, if it comes down right. to Nikhil versus JJ Taylor or Nikhil versus Brandon Bolden, is it more helpful than adding depth at inside linebacker? If it comes down to Nikhil versus Raquan McMillan, Nikhil versus Terez Hall, when you look at the safety position, does it, you know, would you rather keep another safety corner? Would you rather yeah. keep Nikhil or trade him and have the roster spot to sign a third outside corner, which I think they need to do. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing with everything you said. I think Nikhil does add an element they don't have, but there's a lot of guy. Every guy adds an element the roster doesn't have. No two players are the same. I don't know that what Nikhil has outweighs what uh, not just other receivers, but other players on the rosters bring.
0: Right. It's tough because he is going to be in a very highly specialized role, right? And right. maybe that would actually bring the best out of him. His agent in that statement that they made about the trade request said, he is a contested catch guy. He's a go right. up and get it, right? That's the type of player that he is. And if he's not used like that, then he's not going to be productive. So the Patriots... And that's in- not wrong, by the way. They no.
1: used him incorrectly. But since when do the Patriots do special specialization at skill positions?
0: Right. So that's going to be the question is, are they going to break the mold because maybe he was a first round pick or something like that. And they feel like they want to see if he can, he can get out of this and and start to, to show up a little bit in the stat sheet. Or the other part of it too, is that you mentioned is that if he's going to be the fourth or fifth wide receiver on the team, wide receiver fours, wide receiver fives across the league are regulars on special teams. Right, like those guys play a ton in the kicking game year league wide. Uh, That's how you get onto the game day roster as a fourth or a fifth wide receiver is either as a returner or a kick coverage guy. Right, one of the two guys. Like uh, that—that's how it's done in the league. So Christian Wilkerson, we've mentioned it a couple times, working really closely with Matthew Slater and Justin Bethel and Brandon King and some of the special teams guys. Is that going to? sort of push Harry off the roster that Wilkerson can be wide receiver four or five. He's shown some good things in camp. He's gotten open a little bit in camp and he's going to now carve out a really nice role for himself on special teams. That might be more valuable as that depth option than Nikhil Harry. But you do also wonder, and I, I think that this is sort of gets into it. We've discussed this before a little bit, Alex, about how do other teams get their info on who's playing well in camp? Right, like, is it is it through the media or is it through other channels? It's probably through other channels, right? So, are is there a team out there? Let's just use Arizona as a hypothetical because they've been floated out there for the Nikhil Harry. Uh, There's a couple of other teams that have had some issues at wide receiver in camp that maybe could add another guy. Atlanta, I think, is an interesting one. They just traded Julio Jones, right? So maybe they could get into it. Is Nikhil Harry's push in camp and then maybe a couple of good preseason games? Maybe he plays well in joint practices against Philadelphia, another team that could use another wide receiver, another body there. Could that maybe increase his trade value? And this is why I was all for waiting from the get-go is because if Nikhil Harry came in slimmer, a little bit faster, making plays like he has a little bit here so far, that increases his trade value, and now instead of getting a conditional seventh-round pick or sixth-round pick for Nikhil Harry, maybe you can get a fourth-round pick for him. You never know.
1: So here's what I'd add. Let's just put some context to this, right? In in last year was a weird year, and the offense is going to look different, but just for argument's sake. The Patriots had four wide receivers play the majority of the season last season. I'm not including Julian Edelman in this. He was their fourth most-used receiver last year, but obviously – he only played what four or five games. So yeah. their top four wide receivers last year, Demir bird, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry. And then Gunner was the fourth. Right. It was the fourth most used wide receiver on the team. We can, you know, so that, what does that role project to on special teams? Well, we know what Gunner was. He played 41% of the Patriots defensive snap, uh, special team snaps last year. He played more snaps on special teams than he did on offense. Yeah. That ratio is going to get more out of whack with the 12 personnel offense, you're going to see that fourth wide receiver used even less. So what that tells me is to be that fourth wide receiver, they're expecting you to play about half the special team snaps. Is Nikhil going to go from playing seven special team snaps last year, which was just under 2%. And by the way, he played 14 the year before 3%. So is he going to go from playing 21 special team snaps in two years to play nearly half of the team's special team staffs. Because I think that's what they're looking for that fourth wide receiver to do. And if he can't do it, I don't feel confident that they're going to give him that spot.
0: It's a huge issue for him to make the team. Yeah. Honestly, and I can't believe that it's gotten to this point with the first round pick that we're talking about. He needs to find a role on special teams to make the team. But that's sort of where we're at with Nikhil Harry. It's a huge problem for him moving forward. And like I said, today... One on one drills. He goes up against five foot ten Jonathan Jones. He snags the back shoulder. He goes up against a bigger corner and John, John, Williams or Mike Jackson. And he made big plays above the rim on those two guys. Now one on ones heavily favor the receiver, right? It's much easier to get open than it right. is to cover somebody and with a wide open field, right? But he ran ra- actual routes did you know did what he was good at got open and made catches and, and he has caught some balls and team drills as well so yeah if you're a Patriots fan you have two options with here with Nikhil Harry you either hope one that he's figured it out finally and they figured out how to use him and maybe they can actually get out of him or something out of him or number two you hope that some other team is listening to this podcast right now and listening to us talk about how Nikhil has looked good in training camp
1: he's looked and, very oh, good if that's the case he's looked- and
0: you and you hope that Cliff watching us talk about this and says oh well maybe we can you know make a trade right and and maybe they can actually get something of value for him those are the either way it's good that Nikhil Harry is actually making some plays and we're actually discussing that he's flashing out
1: here and the the path for Harry we should mention because what what compounds the issue of special teams is two of the three guys chasing him Trey Nixon being the third he has some special teams ability but Christian Wilkerson and Isaiah Zuber are primarily special teams players. Yeah. Those are guys who are here for special teams first and wide receiving second, which is what that role normally is. So for Nikhil... Unless he's going to, like, go all in on special teams and start, you know, following that Slater like around.
0: You're better with special teams than me sometimes with projecting roles. Like, what what would even be a six-foot-three wide receiver's role on special teams? Like, I know Cordell Patterson's been a gunner his entire career, but, like, they have Bethel and Slater, so he's not going to be a gunner. Like, you know what I mean? Like So so well, I'll, can I'll you give do? you a
1: couple. I, I can give you a couple. The thing is, he is a great athlete, so there's, yeah. there's room. I wonder if they'd use him in the role – they used to use Jamie Collins then on field goal block because uh-huh. I, I bet he could get over the line. I think he could awesome. get over the line, right? He yeah. Could get up awesome. Pretty high. So that's a role for him. You know, he'll be on he the end probably, of the line,
0: I guess in the blocking units, right? He's a pretty decent blocker. So if use you put him him right at... where
1: you maybe use tight end sometimes yeah, to block right. field goals, I, I imagine they give him a shot at returning kicks, but I feel like we would have seen that by now. Returning Right. Cards. So I, He's never done it. The thing is sometimes guys just fit into these roles because they've done them for so long and he hasn't, he hasn't done it. So it's hard to say, but if he's not, you know, if he's not going to out special teams, Christian Wilkerson and Isaiah Zuber. So the other right. way onto the roster is you have to start looking at, can he catch Jacoby Myers? Can he catch Kendrick Bourne? That feels like a very tall task right now, but. Which, which is more realistic. He goes from playing 21 special team snaps in two years to making arguably the most competitive special teams unit in the NFL. And this is even by Patriot standards, an excellent special teams unit with Slater, Bethel, Davis, Bolden, right? right? It's it, it's a great unit. He's got to crack that group or can he break into the group of Aguilar, Bourne and Myers, which also feels tough. So, I mean, I'll ask yeah. you that people in the chat can, can answer, which is more likely cuz those are his two paths if he wants to make the roster.
0: It's tough it, I, I, figuring out a spot for him to contribute on special teams especially with so many guys that are going to predominantly just play in the kicking game is is really difficult and he's going to have to figure out a way to make that happen to to get himself on the roster. Uh, do you want to want to talk to some quarterbacks here to wrap it up?
1: Yeah, 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 I, yeah there were there were some interesting developments at the quarterback position today. There were
0: we got 40, almost 45 minutes into this, Alex, before we brought up Cam Newton or Mac Jones, which I think is a Love win. It. I think it's a win. We've been leaving. We we're sure. still
1: at like, what, how many people are watching? We're, we still have good numbers right now.
0: Yeah, we, we got pretty good numbers. So let, let's talk quarterbacks. I, I think we can separate them into two uh, conversations. The first conversation with Cam Newton, I, I do sort of feel like we are at the point that if, if there was a quarterback competition the last two days, it really hasn't felt that Competitioning, no. right? Like it's really felt like it's been Cam's job for the last two yep. days. And he's been the best quarterback on the field. They didn't throw the ball a ton today. They finally got into pads. So they ran, uh, they ran the ball a whole lot, a lot of run game work, but he was five of seven. We mentioned the throw to Aguilar on the bomb. He also hit Hunter Henry on a, on a sort of over the shoulder catch in the back of the end zone so was a really nice throw and seven on sevens. So he hit John Smith along the sideline, toe tap the sideline. It started out rough for Cam. Uh, He almost threw an interception to Kyle Duggar on the very first throw of practice, but then he really sort of smoothed out the rest of the way and has looked very, very good. I mean, I don't want to get too hyped up yet about how good Cam Newton has looked, but a lot more comfortable in the system, a lot better timing and rhythm in the passing game. Honestly, a lot better accuracy. Like, there haven't been really – at all that I can think of. There's been some interceptions and, and some turnovers that maybe he's going to have to cut down on, but there hasn't been a whole lot of those dirt balls, you know, where is he throwing it to type of passes. It's really been a smooth, a much smoother operation this time around.
1: Yeah, it has there. There seems to be now one or two passes every day where just the touch, like the deft hand. And the the one today was Hunter Henry in the back of the end zone. And, we talked about this yesterday how sometimes you can have a great catch and a great pass. And Kyle Doug was right there. And he's been on the other end of a lot of these. And it's not to knock him. I mean, he's been in great position, but Cam just put it right over Hunter Henry's shoulder, gave him enough room to make the catch. He kind of slid to stay in bounds for the touchdown. Um, we talked about the throw to Bolden on day two, day three, whatever it was. We gushed yeah. over that throw. Yeah. Um, there was another one to Aguilar that was a similar throw. And that's that's the throws he wasn't making last year, right? They'd get down around the goal line and they try to throw the fade to the back corner and he'd put it like two rows up into the stands. If he's going to make that throw, that's a game changer because that, you know, jumbo package that that dominated the Dolphins in week one, they go to Seattle in week two, it fails on the goal line, and then teams kind of had it figured right. out because they weren't worried about the Patriots throwing down there. They didn't think Newton was going to have the touch to throw the ball down that close to the goal line. If yeah. he's going to start, you know, just teardropping these things in along the back line it's the opposite of what you talked about before, right? Where teams are going to have to put an extra guy in the box to respect the run and Sony and Harris, and it's going to open guys up down the field. If Cam's throwing like this, then when you get in the red zone, teams can't just put seven guys on the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to put guys back to make sure everybody's covered. So Cam can't drop one in there. So that to me, of all the things Cam Newton's done, he's been good. But of all the things Cam Newton's done, it's been those, you know, the, the touch goal line passes are the most encouraging to me of anything.
0: Yeah. Much better touch, much better accuracy and timing within the offense, rhythm within the offense, understanding where his reads are and where he's supposed to get through the progression and start on the progression. I think that's such a big part. We, we, t- we get a little bit caught up, I think sometimes in like getting to your fourth and your fifth read in the progression, right? Cause so many NFL throws, I would say for most quarterbacks, even a guy like Tom Brady, 65 to maybe 70% of the throws that you make every single year are first to second read throw. You're either hitting the top of the drop and you're getting the ball out to your first read, or you're moving on to the next read in the progression and hitting that rhythm throw, right? You take that gather step and then right. you make the throw to the rhythm throw. So many of this conversation about, Uh, Can he get to his his backside read? Can he get to the fourth or the fifth read in the progression? That just doesn't happen all that much, honestly, when you start to grade these things out and start to chart these things. So the fact that he can hit that first read and second read a little bit sharper this year, and like I said, a lot less of those just kind of balls in the dirt, like where are you throwing it or, or hitting the receivers in the feet instead of the hands, you know what I mean? And yeah, that has been really a, a much better improvement. So we've, we've seen a lot of really uh, good throws from Cam Newton. We've seen a much more uh, kind of just sharper, decisive Cam Newton. And, and that that is, I think, a, a good thing because as we talked about this a little bit over the last couple of days, Alex, they are really set up nicely right now to sort of bridge this gap between Brady and Mac Jones. If Mac Jones ends up being the guy, which we all think he will be, they have a nice sort of path right now to to this, right? Where they right. don't have to rush Mac into it. Cam's playing pretty well, especially practicing pretty well right now. We'll see what ha- what happens when the game starts. But right now it's definitely feels a lot better for Cam Newton than it ever did last year. And, and we've even seen improvements within these six days, I would say. And even from mini camp to now, I think is a big improvement from what we've seen from Camp.
1: And it's the things that have improved are like the specific things he mentioned when we talked to him about what he worked on in the off season, the pre-snap reads, the accuracy, like that kind of thing getting his feet set. Right. So it's a, it's a conscious effort, which is cool because that, you know, a guy might have even a week of good practice and that can just happen. But the fact that Cam said, I'm going to get better at this. And then this is better tells you it's not just some random fluke. Oh, he's having a hot week. This is something that he put the time into, that he worked to get better at, and he has gotten better at. And now here we go.
0: Okay, so as good as Cam was today, and Mac Jones, to be fair, was really good yesterday, and has been good at times during the non-padded sessions. Really tough day today for Mac Jones. His work, worst practice of training camp by far, I would say. Of in his in a Patriot uniform that we have seen and and throw the OTAs in there, throw mini camp in there. Today was definitely the worst day. He only threw six passes and he only completed one of those passes. It was a rough day for Mac. And I think the two, the one thing that really stood out about why it was rough was decision making, right? Two almost intercepted passes. One was intercepted by Jawan Bentley, a misread to Jacoby Myers in the middle of the field. The decision making would just wasn't as sharp today from the rookie. And I, Look, it's the he's a rookie quarterback. It's his first practice in pads. This is basically his first real NFL practice. And it might it might have looked a little bit today like it was he was a little bit of a step behind or a step slow at processing things, made some bad mistakes, but overall, I mean, where's your panic meter on this? It can't be very high.
1: Well, I mean, it's jarring that it came after his best day in and- Bill Belichick yeah. said that, you know, he was asked what is what are you looking for in the quarterback competition? He said consistency. Mac hasn't been consistent. No. I mean, there's no way around that. But most rookies aren't. I, you know, what's my panic ter- panic level in the short term? It's a little bit there. It's a little bit there because this was supposed to be the most NFL ready quarterback in the draft outside of Trevor Lawrence and he's clearly got a way to go, but none of his mistakes are red flags. I don't think he hasn't, you know, he hasn't made any mistakes that are unfixable. Everything he's done is coachable. So yeah. they got to coach him up. They got to fix it. That's easier said than done. But there, I, I haven't seen anything where it's like, oh, why is he doing that? Why did they draft a guy who's doing that? Like that, you know, there hasn't been that moment yet. I, I've had that moment with other quarterbacks that they've taken. Just about every other quarterback that they've taken. As long as I've been covering the team. Uh, I haven't had that moment with Mac yet.
0: It's funny. I actually think that physically he's been pretty good. Like in terms of. Zip on the football, arm strength, ball placement, ability to move around the pocket. I think he's been pretty nimble inside the pocket and in, in alluding to rush right. and things like that. But mentally, I, I did, we did kind of think that he was going to be a little bit further ahead than this at this point, right? Where. He's not throwing the one interception that he threw. He threw one that I mentioned that was dropped by Anthony Jennings. But both of those, the one to Bentley that Bentley picked off, and the drop by Be- uh, Jennings, excuse me, uh, were right to those two guys. You know what I mean? Like literally, he threw it right to him. Like they were the intended right. receiver. I did not expect to see that from Mac Jones. And then the misread that he had to Jacoby Myers. Myers is literally he's, he's waving his hands like this in the middle of the field to try to give him there to get him there, and it just didn't. Ha- didn't pull the trigger. He ends up going over to Christian Wilkerson and throwing into incomplete, but I, I I'm totally okay. And I, I think everybody should be fine with Matt Jones having one bad practice. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really not, not, you know, anything to freak out about by any means, but uh, you do find it interesting that the first time they put on pads, he was sort of going through it like this, right? A, a little bit. I think the game moved a little fast for him today, but let's see right. what he looks like tomorrow and let's see what he looks like on the next day and the next day, because this was his very, very first practice in the pads in the NFL. So obviously it was going to be a little bit shaky out of the gate.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he absolutely could have had a bad day and it's a bad time to have a bad day, but I'm not ruling that out again. I like long-term. I, I haven't seen anything from Mac Jones that I didn't expect coming in that I didn't expect when they took him. Um Even, even like you said, with some of those interceptions, it's, you know, he didn't make those kind of plays at Alabama, but it's just, he's a rookie. And I think it, you know, it's going to get to him sometimes. It does seem to compound on him a little bit where once he makes one bad throw, he kind of yeah. has a hard time bouncing back. And yeah. that's the one thing I really want to see fixed. But again, that's very coachable. That's coachable. Or you haven't talked to the sports psychiatrist or what, uh, not psychiatrist, psychologist, sports psychologist. Yeah. What's a psychiatrist? I, whatever. Um, But again, it's all, it's all fixable. So like long-term, if, if you're, yeah. if you're like, dead set on seeing Mac start week one. If you put money, if you bet money on Mac starting week one, then yeah, you could justifiably be a little money. worried.
0: You, but you know, you're, you're losing that money. Right. But right. you shouldn't
1: have, you shouldn't have made that bet. Anyway, that was a stupid bet. <laughs> I've, you know, talked for a long time about how I'm interested in the long term, the eight, 10, 12 year window with Mac Jones. I don't really care what happens with him one way or the other this year outside of development. Yeah. And so I, you know, in in looking at it from that point of view, looking at it from a bird's eye view, thirty thousand feet, whatever you wanna call it, no, I'm not worried by what I saw today.
0: No, one bad practice. I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back. He seems like the type of guy that does even though it might snowball on him a little bit in that individual practice, he does seem to bounce back the next day. You know what I mean? Like he does seem to get better in that respect. I love the chat right now because normally the chat is killing us for being too harsh on Cam Newton. Now
1: we're too harsh on Mac Jones. So well, I love the person first of- who said that, that we've been resharing the same takes since April because it like because there's been a ton of football. Since April, yeah. a lot has changed since april we 've seen six practices, one of them padded i 'm sorry for a little bit of a broken record. This is why we're as excited as you are for football to get started because it gives us new material.
0: Absolutely. But we we appreciate all the comments. So, it was a pretty lively chat today. So I, I appreciate that and uh we appreciate that. And tomorrow, another full day down at Foxborough, We got assistant coaches, we got Bill Belichick speaking in the morning, followed by defensive assistants, then practice, then offensive assistants. I am really interested to hear now that we're, you know, a couple weeks into practicing, uh, in terms of mini camp OTAs, now we got six training camp practices on, under all these players belts. Uh, what? josh McDaniels' opinions are on these quarterbacks right and because yeah. he in a lot of ways as much as bill belichick's opinions matter a ton McDaniels' opinions matter just as much too right so I, i'm really fascinated to see what josh mcdaniels has to say about his two quarterbacks and just in general i think if if you want to look for a bright spot about this offense cam has looked very good nelson Aguilar has really looked really good separating down the field and, and stretching the foot the field and i don't think we've fully seen the tight ends unlocked yet. I I think that McDaniels has a lot of tricks in his bag uh, with the tight ends that once we get into game planning and scheming and calling individual plays, I I think that's definitely going to come as well. So I I think the offense is pretty exciting. I don't know about you. We we talked a lot going into the uh, training camp about the defense, right? And and how good they looked on paper. Maybe there were some concerns about the offense. I think the defense is still fine, but what do you I mean what do you think in terms of the overarching themes here i think the offense has looked a lot better than I was expecting
1: right they've been yeah in elements of it I, I would agree with that I think the defense has been the dominant unit throughout practice, so the two aren't you know the two can be mutually exclusive. You can say the defense has been dominating, the offenses looked better than you'd think yeah uh, i you know i I still think that there are very localized concerns. I think overall the roster is as deep as we expected. And we talked about this being an uncharacteristically deep roster. They only sign one UDFA. They fill the rest of the spots with NFL veterans. That's pretty unprecedented, especially for them, but corner still feels a little thin to me. Um, Tackle still feels a little thin to me. Like we talked about off the top. I think, I think I'm more comfortable than you are, but I could see that. So (laughs) Uh, You know, now that the pads come on and we can really get into the nitty gritty that that's my overarching thing is I think that there's still a few spots, you know, there's still other roster battles going on, but there's a few spots that are really up in the air that are really left to be decided. And I'm going to kind of start looking at those now and the the big ones being outside corner, uh, I think is one and then kick returners another because we'll have the big special teams day on Friday. So that will be a good way to evaluate it. What's going on back there.
0: Absolutely. And Alex and I will be back on the podcast. We can do one every day this week. I think we can well we can't do one on Friday because the practice is at night. So we could do I mean to, with
1: that attitude we can't. I'll stay <laughs> up till the break of dawn. I don't care.
0: Yeah, Alex doesn't. We don't care. Do,
1: we'll do one Friday night or Saturday morning, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure it I know not will there will be an off day probably on Saturday, right? So maybe right. we can do a podcast sort of like we did on Sunday of this past week kind of Recapping the entire No, week.
1: no, no it, but we are going to focus on Friday's practice, at least for part of that, because you're not going to rob me of the special teams practice. <laughs>
0: All right. Fair enough. I'll so stay we'll, up.
1: I don't care. We'll do, we'll do Pat's beat after dark. We'll get in our jammies and have some popcorn and do this thing at three in the morning. You, it's training a, camp. I'm not sleeping. This is the best time of the year. You think I'm wasting it in bed? Please. You, you're
0: you're going to put on your Patriots footy pajamas and, and come over here on and get on the podcast. Is that what I don't, you're talking about? I don't about? like footy pajamas. My feet get too hot.
1: It's the honest truth all
0: right all right well we'll kind figure it out about friday's practice we're definitely going to be back on the podcast on wednesday i love how we also plan out these podcasts live on the air like, we're like <laughs> we're, what's the schedule right Well, we're i mean gonna- i
1: think that's the beauty of the show is it's very informal it's just kind of us talking I, di- I didn't wear a collared shirt on this show until training camp and that's only because i just got home and I didn't have time to change. Yeah. So this is, this is what pe- people watch it. I'd like to think in addition to the football, the back and forth. So they were part of us planning it
0: well we are very uh, we like to, to kind of have our production meeting with you guys so we're yes. going to be back on the show tomorrow Wednesday afternoon following day seven of training camp we're starting to stack these days together the second day of full pads I think is really going to be interesting because the first day can be sort of a shell shot for some people right live contact for the first time in a yeah. long time Mac Jones first live contact of his NFL career tomorrow should be a day where people start to settle in a little bit and I think that's going to be exciting so what we've Back on the show around this time 4 35 o'clock on wednesday afternoon to break down day two of full pads day seven of training camp so keep it right here on Patriots Beat for all your training camp recap coverage and alex and i will be back tomorrow night guys thanks so much for watching